0: You could be anywhere, doing anything, but you're hanging out with us. We appreciate that. So wherever you're listening and however you're listening, we appreciate you guys for listening. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting episode of the Game Plan Podcast. Alex Goodwin is my name. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin T S M. Again, that's on Twitter at Alex Goodwin T S M. That's T as in Taka, S as in Sangria, M as in Margaritas. Kennedy Miller Yes sir Where can they find you on Twitter?
1: Find me on Twitter at underscore Kennedy Miller underscore Again underscore Kennedy as in the former president John F and the former wrestler Mr. Kennedy Kennedy Miller underscore
0: Alright alright Kennedy Miller it's been a bit of a minute since the last time we've done this show The NBA playoffs are almost out of of the first round a whole lot of entertaining matchups so kennedy just like give me a sense of you know what have been your early thoughts and reactions to the first round of the playoffs and what has been in your opinion, the most entertaining series
1: um well i mean i think my early reactions to the playoffs is that a lot of teams are playing good basketball and you've seen a lot of high scoring guy puts from a lot of guys that uh are up and coming stars Luca, Donovan Mitchell, Jamal Murray have all put on uh, great shows in, in the bubble, and it, it's been really fun and impressive to watch, especially as a basketball fan. Um, I think easily the most impressive series to me or the most entertaining was the one that just ended tonight, uh, Utah and Denver going to game seven uh, with you know Donovan Mitchell putting up 57 in the first game and Jamal Murray putting up these 50-point games. It's been uh, incredibly impressive to see these two go at it, and um, you know, hats off to Utah—they played their butt off. I didn't—I didn't give Utah a chance to make it out the first round. After uh, Bogdanovich had gotten hurt and elected to have season-ending surgery, I thought they were done. And so, for them to come out and play the way that they did against um, a team that they were the underdog, Denver—you know—was a top three seed all year, and for them to be up three-one. I was really impressed by the way that they played so um, I think that was the series that impressed me the most Um, you got you know teams like the Mavs were impressive they put up a fight I didn't think they put up that much of a fight Um, obviously losing Porzingis was a big blow for them but I think that um, that that was a good series my Lakers took care of business you know we were Yeah, I don't understand why Portland was you know, kind of pushed out of proportion. Good team. Dame was playing out of his mind, you know, to will them into being that eighth seed. But I knew when push came to shove, the Lakers had two top five players in the league. And it's going to be really tough to stop those two, especially when they've been the wire-to-wire the wire number one seed all year. So um, I'm really excited for this second round, though, uh, for the matchups. Um, I don't know if the Lakers are going to see Houston. I'm, I, I really don't know. If I had to bet money, I would say that the Rockets will win, but Oklahoma City has put up a fight. Shout out to G. Uh, shout out to Garrett Newton from the, the Stadium Status Podcast because he was the first one that called this. because We were in there, and at the beginning of the year, he said if Chris Paul was healthy for at least 70 games, and Steven Adams played, they would make the playoffs. And I said, no way. No way in hell would they make the playoffs in the Western Conference. And for them to make it to the fifth seed... And to push Houston to seven games with or without Russell Westbrook is, is amazing. And if they beat, if the Thunder beat the Houston Rockets, Alex Goodwin, with, with, with all that happened last year with James Harden and Chris Paul, with them losing at home game six, no Kevin Durant, to the Golden State Warriors, and then for James Harden to get to the podium and say, "I know what we have to do," and they trade Chris Paul. If Chris Paul comes back and beats them with this team, I I don't know what Rockets fans will do with themselves.
0: Oh, I'll tell I, you what they're gonna do. I'll tell. Oh, dude, some of them, and we know a couple of them. Some of them are gonna be ready to jump off a roof because. And I give it to Rockets. And, and the thing about Rockets fans, here's why I don't understand sometimes is that they talk themselves into this year in and year out, year in and year out. When the Houston Rockets and James Harden and Mike D'Antoni have not earned the benefit of the doubt in that way. They flat out have not. Now, did they start off this series playing really well against the Thunder? They did, but I think the thing about the bubble is, and what's really unique about it is, in most playoff series, there's home court, you know. So let's say a team's down two zero, and then you know they're going back to their home court for games three and four, all right? Mm-hmm. That home court advantage can give you a bit of a boost, a bit of a push, right. and things like that. Or even in the uh, Denver Utah series, being down three one, most times that thing's going to be over in five or six. But on a neutral site, when it's you take out all the other extra noise, all the other people in the stands, and it's just basketball you're going to find out who the who the better basketball team is. And, like, the entire atmosphere around the bubble and just playoff-wise, have you ever gone to, like, Fondy Rec Center in Houston? Yep. Yeah. Or, like, the Drew League or something? Like, it just feels like basketball. Like, not a ho- whole lot of hoopla, not a whole lot of none of that. It's just high-level basketball players playing basketball. And the thing about Houston that you mentioned, what are they going to do? They got to blow this thing up. And most times I'm not a fan of blowing the whole thing up. What else is there to do at this point? You've traded Chris Paul, you traded Capella, you got Robert Covington. They gave up their six years worth of first round picks to get Capella. I mean to get rid of Capella, to get Covington, and to get Russell Westbrook. To go out in the first round, or maybe the second round at the best. Right?
1: With a team with hardly any young guys, and then you talked about you know the lack of draft picks. It's almost like these past couple of times LeBron has left somewhere. You look at when he left Miami in 2014. They have been so set on trying to get to championships, which they did, and which they want to. But when he left, there's no cap space. There's no first round picks, and now you got like a veteran roster that. It's looked like it's capped out because they've been competing for so long. Same thing when we left Cleveland in 2018. No more cap space. Oh, No more first-round picks. Oh. And you've got guys that you've signed to extensions to try and keep on winning that are now past their prime. So now you're in a terrible situation.
0: And I think, like, they re-signed Eric Gore to an extension in September, four years for $75 million. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to want him on that contract, right? Russell Westbrook is on a really bad contract. And given the fact that a lot of Russ's game is built upon speed and athleticism, and that, and Russ can't shoot, in in year 11 or 12, I have no indication to believe that Russell Westbrook is going to find a jump shot. So Russ is going to age really poorly. Uh, do you remember how in Allen Iverson's last two years, what it looked like? Yep. And how quick Allen Iverson was out of the league Once like the drop off Came like it wasn't a gradual drop off With the guy you know how Tim Duncan had a gradual Drop off like you slowly start to see the skills Decline but San Antonio had other pieces Around him so it wasn't just mm-hmm. Horrific yep. Iverson's Drop off was so quick he was out of the league in two Years and I think Westbrook's gonna have that same kind Of drop off the problem is the contract He's on is exorbitant All Right so when losing uh, draw, really? they got problems there. You know, I do want to kind of switch gears to the other team in Los Angeles. You know, the LA Clippers. Kennedy Miller. I know you've been wanting to do this for like a week or so. So, Kennedy Miller, I'm gonna give you the floor to talk about your favorite player. Play off P Paul George. Kennedy Miller, go on and get the jokes off. Go on. I don't I don't
1: have much jokes because he, he's kind of resurrected himself the last couple of games um of that series but it's a famous dennis green cool he is who i thought he was paul george has never changed to me i saw all these tweets you know called what's wrong with paul george this is nothing new to me i know paul george I know what he does in big games. I know what he doesn't do in big moments. He's not that guy. Supremely talented. I will never take that away. I mean, he's not a bum. He's really talented. Really handles the ball well for somebody over 6'7". Really good defender. Has a nice touch with the ball. But for some strange reason, Paul George, you cannot rely on him in big games. You can't. He, I mean, he... He's almost in the perfect situation for himself. He he's not carrying a team. He doesn't necessarily have to guard the best player all game long, and he doesn't have the burden of the franchise on his shoulders. And yet, somehow, he still is messing up. He went through a three-game stretch where it was like, Alex, what the <laughs> what the heck? Like, I mean, at this I mean, point,
0: bro, you can cuss on, Go on.
1: it. Go. I mean, it was looking like this was literally the worst option for Kawhi Leonard. I know he wanted to stay at home, but it it was looking like him choosing to go to the Clippers to play with Paul George was the worst option he could have had. Because remember, he had three options. He would have gone to the Lakers with LeBron and Anthony Davis, and they, they would have just ran through everybody. He could have stayed in Toronto, and with the way that it's looking in the bubble now, you can't really tell me that Kawhi on the Raptors wouldn't be the favorite in the bubble. With how good the Raptors have played, with how good Kawhi has played, he played amazing. And then to go to the Clippers and play with playoff piss. You know, I should have had that trademarked, Alex, because now everybody was calling him that. You know, during these past three days, uh, three uh, games that he was playing bad, I was like, I said playoff piss. At Alex's house last year, I think it might have been two, two or three years ago. It's it's been a while. Oh, I'm sorry. I said that two years ago at your
0: apartment in Denton,
1: when after playoff piss had five points in a closeout game against Utah. Like I said, he has a he has a history. I can I can look up the numbers and and go through the closeout games that he's been in and, and the numbers that he put up in elimination games and it it's not it's not anything it's not anything superstar work he's a star he's a Robin but I don't know if he's going to be a good enough Robin to lead them to a championship this year.
0: Hey man, I'm gonna tell you what whatever they did to get him ready for Game Five and Game Six, they need to do it again. Okay, so like it is like all of a sudden he can play again because he couldn't throw a rock in the ocean. Games two through four, like he was god awful, right? And And here's the thing. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was I I, I was going to say, um, you know, sometimes like you might be not so good at something, then all of a sudden you seem really good and be like, well, what happened? What happened? And somebody's like, well, you know, I just had some uh, some real special motivation, right? When I was, I got a quick story, quick story. When I was in the sixth grade, Kennedy Miller, I was supposed to be taking the math, the standardized test in math in the state of Texas, the tax test, right? I am not good at math. I'm horrible at math. I failed it one year. And so that the next year, I'm up there supposed to be taking a math tax test And I am not taking it seriously I'm doing these little tax Like a little practice packets or whatever I'm BSing them I'm not really trying to do it Or whatever My mom was like You need to focus on focus on this packet And do this right Because you're not good at math And I'm not trying to hear it Not trying to hear it I'm doing horrible on this packet Right My mama look at me And she said She said dead to me The next problem you get wrong I swear to God I'm going to beat your ass All Right? So I'm halfway thinking she she just talking, right? I get that next problem wrong. Kitty Miller, my mama looked up at me, she said, "Let's go." And then she proceeded to drag me, pull me up out my chair, and drag me across the floor by my right ankle. And I'm in the middle of the house. I'm hollering, "How like somebody help me, please help, 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 help!" Right? Thank God for my daddy. He saved me. Kitty Miller, when I tell you I got it, got on that test. On that Tuesday. And I only missed two questions. I missed two questions. And two questions only. I feel like that's the type of shit that happened to Paul George. In between games four. And five. I think Kawhi Leonard cussed him out.
1: So. I mean my thing with Paul George is. It'd be different. If he was playing. An elite defensive team like the Bucks or the, you know, the Raptors or something like that. But it's not like the Mavericks have many defensive stoppers. That's my thing. That's what, on the flip side of it, that's what made what Luka was doing so impressive. Because look at the numbers. Oh, the Mavericks have this. Uh, I think they had the number one offensive rating of all time or something like that. Yep. You know, really impressive. But I expected this to be a five-game series because I thought the Clippers would be really physical with Luka. And at the end of the day, I thought they had two guys that they could throw out on it, really. They threw Marcus Morris at them the most. Uh, They threw Marcus Morris at them the most. But I thought they had two elite defenders. That would slow him down and make it really tough. And what he was doing was, was pretty impressive considering he was going in. Paul George, on the other hand, was struggling with Tim Hardland,
0: Jr. and Julian through And Seth Curry was giving him the moves. Bruh, did you see Steph Curry call him a bitch ass nigga? I did. Now, now, that's personal right there. Now, we all know that's. Boy, I know yeah, he's. Mm-hmm. And that's for my wife. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Seth Curry said I'm standing up for my wife's honor, God damn it <laughs> Bro, I got a question. How imagine like imagine when uh, Doc Rivers' daughter walk comes into the facility to say hi. What did she do when she sees Paul George? All right. That's what That's what I'm saying.
1: Like that was a weird was that a love triangle, love square? All the Hexagon. You know, because he, he's 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 dating Doc Rivers' daughter, who, by the way, looks too much like Doc Rivers to be attractive to me. <laughs> she looks too much like Glenn, okay? Little Glenisha is what I'll call her because I don't know her name. I think it's Callie. But, thank you, Callie. So, Paul George is dating Callie. He cheats on her with a stripper. Gets the stripper pregnant. Then goes and wipes the stripper and then ends up on her daddy's team. While, meanwhile, she rebounds with a Curry, Seth Curry, and they end up playing each other in the first round. Seth is playing against his father in law who's coaching her
0: ex boyfriend. Bro, here's what I want to know. I like. I ain't going to lie. Doc Rivers is a better man than me. Absolutely. Because I ain't going to front. I'd have shot Paul George. <laughs> I'd have shot him. You ain't going to treat my baby like that. You uh, Like, what? I, that, that whole situation to me is a hot mess. And, like, Paul George had way too much on his mind. In that post-game interview he did after game five, Paul George, he was talking to either a Catholic priest or his therapist. Because he was telling us, giving us way too much information. Way well, had too been, much. They have been killing him.
1: They have been killing on social media. And you know he saw it. You know he saw it. He had been getting heat. Because it's different. It's different when you're in Indiana. And you know, you ain't really... Because expectations ain't there. It's different when you're in Oklahoma City. Especially when you're playing behind Russell Westbrook. Because... The expectations ain't really there. And those two teams, you can make, make the case for Indiana, I wouldn't. But those two teams weren't championship contenders. Know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. This team, you're in L.A. I don't care if, you, if you're the Lakers or the Clippers. You're in L.A. Now you got the bright lights. And you're supposed to be a contender and one of the favorites to win a championship. And if you listen to the right or wrong person, in my opinion... The Clippers going to win it. So he's got to show up. And when you don't produce, what was it, three straight games? Shooting like 27% from the field or whatever he was shooting. You're yeah. going to get some flack. You're going to get some flack. And Alex, I wouldn't be surprised if he did it again. I think next round, they're going to win in five. I think they're gonna beat Denver in five. I think it's gonna be I don't I, I don't I don't see Denver putting up that much of a fight against the Clippers. Really? But that next round, if Paul George has three straight games, shooting like that, they ain't getting out, Adams. They ain't getting out. I can get I'm like Charles Barkley. I can guarantee they ain't getting out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh man, bro. I still want to know what Kawhi said to him after game five. Like, I mean, after game four, I'm sorry. After game four, I want to know what Kawhi said to him. Because, like, for Paul George to come alive and play like that, like remember how had bad boys, uh, when uh, Marcus shot Johnny Taffy at the end in that minefield in Cuba? And Will Smith was like, from now on, that's how you shoot. That's what I feel like a while was talking to him. That is how you shoot. That's how you play. Don't shoot that little motherfucker no more. Stop it. Oh, man. Yeah we got to leave it right there, but don't you worry. We will be right back with more of the Game Plan Podcast on the other side of the break. Don't go too far. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Game Plan Podcast. Alex Goodwin is my name. You can follow me on Twitter, at AlexGoodwinTSM. Again, it's on Twitter, at AlexGoodwinTSM. Follow the show on Twitter, Game Plan tsm that's t as in tacoma s as in seattle m as in maryland kennedy miller yes sir where can they find you on twitter
1: find me on twitter at underscore kennedy miller underscore again underscore kennedy as in the former president john f and the former wrestler mr kennedy
0: kennedy miller underscore all right All right. Um, We're recording this podcast on the evening of September the 1st, 2020. So, about a week ago, Kennedy Miller, uh, the NBA players, led by the Milwaukee Bucks, decided they were going to strike. Mm -hmm. They decided they were going to strike in response to the shooting of Jacob Blake, a black man who was shot seven times in the back in front of his children after trying to break up a fight i believe he survived but he's now paralyzed uh, 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 if i have that correctly i believe so and and I first off i have i have to kind of just make this point do you kennedy miller do you remember about three months ago when the whole world was on fire after george floyd's death Yes. You remember how everybody put out all these statements? We are we stand with the black community and all, all, all that other good stuff. All that you know, performative activism. You remember that? Yes, sir. And now that the NBA has gone down to Orlando and done the whole bubble thing, and the NBA has done a big, they've it, it, they've gone to great efforts to make this entire Black Lives Matter thing their marketing campaign for the last two and a half months. And I Mm -hmm. must say this. The NBA is all good with activism and all that other good stuff as long as they get to shape the messages coming out of it, right? The players didn't get to decide. The players got to choose what slogans they wanted to have on the back of their jerseys, right? right it's all good in the eyes of the nba and a lot of these corporations as long as they get to choose what the messaging and what this and, and what what it's going to be right when jimmy butler decided he was, was he was going to come out there and not have anything on the back of his jersey because he said that would signify that in the eyes of white america want to take this jersey off i'm nothing the nba sent him back to the locker room told him to put told him to go put his jersey on go put on a, a, a jersey with his name on the back of it right so everybody's right. all good when they can control the narrative, right? What the Milwaukee Bucks did is they took back the narrative. What they did, they didn't ask for permission. They just did what they thought was right. And I must say, they risked a lot. Mm-hmm. A whole lot. And kudos to the other teams and other players for standing with them as well. But I, 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 I can't say that enough. But what I do want to do here, Kenny Miller, I do want—I do want to say this. How are some of these owners and some of these large major corporations going to say they are—they stand with the black community and they are down with the black community in their fight against systemic racism and all this other good stuff when they donate money to Donald Trump? Go ahead. Let let the
1: people know. Get on get on your soapbox. I, I mean, I mean how
0: how how does that work? Because the the amount of cognitive dissonance it takes. To on one hand say you you stand with your black employees in their fight for social justice, you donate uh-huh. money to the dude who's against said justice they're fighting for. Like how does Bob Craft have a criminal justice reform organization with Jay Z, Rock Nation, and Meek Mill the whole nine yards? Yet he giving Trump his money. Like the Detroit Pistons owner, he is a part of. The prison industrial complex like he owns one of the companies that regulates inmate phone calls right he's one of those folks that's charging folks 10 12 15 dollars a minute like that guy profits off of mass incarceration how come we ain't brought the boots to him yet right how come we brought the boots to like jay reinsdorf who's donating money to a dude who spoke at the rnc last week who speaks against defunding the police and support for law enforcement Right. Mm-hmm. And my next thought is this. You 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 in the last couple of months and we when we have these conversations, often the talking points are people say things like we need to have a, a dialogue, we need to have a conversation, and all these other things, have difficult conversations. Um, Kennedy Miller, do white people in power seem willing to have these conversations? No. Do the police seem like they willing to talk to us? absolutely not so what is we doing why you know what i mean and people oftentimes come up with the idea of criminal justice reform and police reform what about this looks to anybody like it can be fixed what about this looks like it can be slightly tweaked at all what a like does that make any sense Yes, sir. Getting more black police chiefs ain't going to do a damn bit of good as long as the white supremacist power structure that is still in place is still there. That would be the, that would be the equivalent of, let's say, Kennedy Miller, let's say I live in a house that's condemned, right? hmm And the house, like the state said, yo, this house is uninhabitable. There's asbestos. There's mold. The foundation is all messed up. It is unsafe for people to live in here. What if I were to then just slap a fresh coat of paint on the house and get some new furniture in the house?
1: Still going to be the same stuff. Yeah, like. Just look better.
0: Aesthetically, it just looks a little bit better, but the same structural mm-hmm. issues will remain. That's the same yeah. thing with people trying to reform the police, right? So, no amount of implicit mm-hmm. bias training will help. No amount. Of getting more police officers who look like the community will help, right? Because when the system is fundamentally, inextricably going to work against you, you can't have it no more.
1: I agree. And, uh, it,
0: it, uh, am I making sense here? I, I know I just went off on a long tangent. And, when, and I know I just went 50 million places at once. But does does that make any sense?
1: You're making total sense, man. And uh, you were spot on. I'm I'm glad you got on this so, much. Do you have anything else you would like to add?
0: Man, I was actually going to say. So now that I'm here, there you go. See, I feel like a Baptist preacher now. I got yeah. two, I'm, I got two more points, and I'm going to take my seat. Go ahead. Right. So you know how people always say they want their politics politics out of their sports and all this other good stuff. When it's fitting for them. Yes, Donald Trump has no problem inserting himself into sports, as he did this morning when he said he called the Big Ten commissioner in an effort to try to get Big Ten, trying to get the Big Ten to play football this fall. And he only did this, mind you, Wisconsin, Illinois, Ohio, Michigan, all swing states, all yeah. of them. Like, he ain't said a damn thing about the Pac-12 coming back to play because he know he ain't, he ain't got no chance of winning California. And the rest of them flyover states over there don't nobody care about, right? Right. Yeah. Those folks aren't cool with politics in their sports when it suits them. Yet, uh, Kelly Loeffler, the lady who owns the Atlanta Dream, she was all mm-hmm. cool with using her basketball team as a prop in an effort to win an election. Right? Right. And they, those folks, instead of having the conversation that everybody says needs to happen to end racism. Mm -hmm. They're over there. They're over there. Telling you at every turn, they don't want to talk to you about this stuff. We ain't trying to hear you about this stuff. And that's the thing about racism. I think a lot of people need to understand you. Ending racism is not the job of black people. It is not the job of. Uh, the, uh, of the Hispanic community. Just in the same way that ending misogyny and patriarchy is not the job of women to do, right? Ending homophobia is not the job of the LGBTQ community to do. It is the job of those that are in power. It is the job of the oppressor to stop oppressing, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, that is easy as pie because if we could fix it, We'd have fixed this a long time ago Like if you tell black people Hey man we can get in here and fix racism We need all black people at the meeting at 6.15 Black folks be outside at 5.45 Orderly Ready Like what we got to do This is not a everybody come together and fix it This is a white people need to fix this type of problem Like the NFL owners said they're going to put in the end zone in uh, uh, racism It's on all of us No, No 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 it's not on all of us It's on all of you this is on you. And how's the NFL gonna talk about in racism and they the racist?
1: These are solid points.
0: <sighs> I'm s I am I, I I'm sorry, I know. Ooh. It's a lot, man. It is it is it, it, all of this is a lot. Like is that does that hit home for anybody except me? You know what I mean? Does that make sense?
1: I, I totally get it. Well, as you say, common sense ain't always common, man.
0: I done made my two points, guys, and now I'm going to take my seat. This is the game. Thank to y'all me- for coming. This TED Talk. Yeah, really. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Um. This is Game Plan Podcast. We can be back to, to the sports in the very next segment. Don't go too far. This is the game plan. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the game plan podcast. Alex Goodwin is my name. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin T S M. Again, it's on Twitter. At AlexGoodwin T S M. That's T as in T is in Tom. S as in Sarah. M as in Mother. Follow the show on Twitter at GamePlanTSM as well. Kennedy Miller. Yes, sir. Where can they find you on Twitter? Find
1: me on Twitter at underscore Kennedy Miller underscore. Again, underscore Kennedy, as in the former president, John F., and the former wrestler, Mr. Kennedy, Kennedy Miller underscore.
0: All right. All right. So, Kennedy Miller, we are now getting into the second round of the NBA playoffs. We're going to go through and I'm going to get your thoughts and your predictions, right? Okay. All ready right, to start things off. We're going to go Miami and Milwaukee. What was your thoughts on game one and who do you think is going to win in the series and in how many games?
1: So I believe that Miami will actually beat Milwaukee in six games. Giannis is great. I said from the jump, I feel like the Bucks are a really great regular season team. I don't think that they match up well with Miami um, for a couple of reasons. Number one, Miami has a lot of guys that they can throw on Giannis that have the size, quickness, uh, veteran savvy, athleticism to, to guard him or to contain him. We're not going to stop Giannis totally. But Bam... By most defensive metrics have done, has done the best job on Giannis this year. There's a reason why they're the only team so far that beat the Bucs three times this year. They're well coached. They're physical. They like to play defense. And they're going to play the right way. And the Bucs, if they had a weakness on defense because they're a really good defensive team, if they had a weakness, they want to Pack the paint so much they want to stop guys from getting easy layup. They give up a lot of wide open threes. Well, who's the second best three point shooting team in the NBA? It's the Miami Heat. So it, it it's just a bad it's just a, a bad matchup because I feel like at the end of games, if you're successfully clogging the paint and Giannis is having trouble scoring, who do you look for? It's and and really the point that I'm trying to make is. I don't trust Chris Middleton. I don't think Chris Middleton can be your second best player on a championship team. I'm not going to ridicule him like I do Paul George because he's not put on that look. But Bleacher Report did make him a top 10 player. What is it, a month ago for some stupid reason? But Chris Middleton cannot be your second best player on the championship team. And your third best player is Eric Bledsoe? I don't know what the hell I'm going to get out of him any given night. So that's my thing with the Bucks. Now, I mean, could he get past them? Maybe. I mean, I think Young's yeah, sure would have to have some big games. I think Chris Milita has to have a really big game. But game one just kind of told me what I already predicted before the series started. Heat and six.
0: This is a tough one for me. It's a really tough one because Milwaukee's well coached. Well coached, well put together basketball team. Like, that team the way they're put together from top to bottom they're put together really well however at the end of games who do I trust more at the end of a ball game Jimmy Butler or Giannis I'm gonna say this yo give me Jimmy Butler every day and twice on Sunday man that dude is something different and I've been saying that for the longest time Right, and let, the, let let me. Can I take this moment, right quick, to laugh at 76ers fans, right quick? Like y'all didn't want to keep Jimmy Butler, and instead y'all gave Tobias Harris and Al Horford the world. And where did that get you? Nope. Like Jimmy Butler. Like you know how some dudes are afraid of the big moment. They get, start start to tighten up, start to tense up. You pass them about the end of a ball game, they get it right out of their hands, like they don't want it. Jimmy Butler is the exact opposite He's like oh no oh no I live for this right here baby Give me the ball Move out the way, Like that dude Jimmy Butler And I think that's really like the margins with these two teams are that slim Because I think Bam matches up the best with Giannis He's as tall and as physically strong Right To give Giannis a whole lot of trouble Giannis is still going to get his buckets And I think the games are going to be close But at the end of a game who do I trust to make a big shot I, I gotta go, Jimmy, and I think Jimmy's gonna and, do that. Heaton seven,
1: and and this Bucks team is still they're still growing. You know, it's no no na- no real knock against them. I mean, he's gonna get some flight because he's the MVP and Defense Player of the Year. I already told you, I don't think he deserves the Defense Player of the Year. I don't understand how one person has fifty more steals and eighty more blocks on the season, and he doesn't get it. But that's neither here nor there. Um, That's Anthony Davis, by the way. But, you know, I think the thing is Giannis is going to have to find some type of reliable scoring option besides barreling to the rim in the playoffs because he's not going to be able to get that. And Orlando provided the blueprint. They just didn't have enough talent. They're going to wall up. These teams are going to wall up. And they're going to force you to shoot it. And 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 another thing, it's one thing if you were just barreling to the rim and then getting to the free throw line and making free throws, but he went 4-12. So now you, even if you're doing what you want to do, in the fourth quarter, we're just going to follow you. Prove it. Make the free throws. And, I mean, that's the, that's the thing. I just... Milwaukee, uh, that they, they they run into a tough, they run into a really tough opponent, and in my opinion, I think they're going to lose in six.
0: All right, all right we're going to stay in the Eastern Conference. We're going to go Boston and Toronto. Now Toronto's already down 0-2. but still, Kenny Miller, who you got?
1: Man, I thought Toronto would take this to start it. Um, especially with Boston losing Gordon Hayward too, I don't know. You can't really count the champs out, even though they don't have their superstar from last year. But I think Boston's gonna take it, man. I, I said before, I think Boston is a, a, a sleeper to make the finals because another team that's well coached. You got a young star in Jason Tatum, who might elevate himself to superstar status in these playoffs, and and you know another star in Jalen Brown. Kimball Walker's really good, you know, and then, you know, if Marcus Smart hits five straight threes in a game, you know, then they're almost, you know, then you can just throw your hands up and say, what more, what more can I do? So, um, I think Boston is going to take it. I think Toronto has got championship pedigree. They never feel that they're out of it. They were down 0-2 last year in the conference finals. Um, But I think Boston is just... I think Boston is ready for
0: this moment. So I'm going to roll with Boston. I'm going to go with Toronto. Okay. I'm going Toronto in seven. Okay. And I think, like you said, Toronto, they've got the championship pedigree, right? And Mm -hmm. they are extremely well coached. And I'll say that because a few years ago, well, not even a few years ago, last year... I thought very little of Nick Nurse. I won't even lie to you. I thought Nick Nurse was just some dude they had out there, right? Because at the end of ball games, you hand the ball to Kawhi, do whatever, right? But this year, Nick Nurse has shown me he's a damn good basketball coach, right? Mm. And given the fact they are back in the position where they are to potentially defend their title, lets me know that Nick Nurse can coach and Nick Nurse has earned the benefit of the doubt for me. I think they'll be able to figure this out. And remember how I said earlier in the show that being down 0-2 isn't the same hole as it would be under normal yes. circumstances? Absolutely. This same is ex- with being down 3-1. Yeah, like you know, at, at the end this is just basketball at that point, right? Like there's no home court advantage. We're just playing. If you get on a roll and you get going, you just play. And I think Boston is a really, really talented team. And I'll, I'll take a quick second to say, isn't it crazy how this year Boston is much less talented, but they are a much better team than they were last year? Yep. Like, subtract Kyrie Irving, subtract Terry Rozier, subtract Marcus Morris, subtract Al Horford. Al Horford. They are leaps and bounds better this year. And I think this plays more to Brad Stevens' liking because, you know, when Brad Stevens at Butler, he didn't have, like, extremely extremely talented teams. Mm-hmm. Last year, I think Brad Stevens had more talent than he knew what to do with. This team, I think, is more to his comfort, and I think he's able to coach them better and, and get done what he needs to get done. But all that being said, I never thought I'd say this, but I'm a to grow. I believe in Nick Nurse. I'm going Raptors at huh. seven. I never thought I'd say that. Okay. Okay. I never thought <laughs> I'd say that. I really didn't. Uh, moving on to the West. And Kenny Miller's favorite team. The L.A. Clippers. I knew you were going to say that. Hey, man, I had to bother you for a quick second, man. Uh, the L.A. Clippers okay. and the Denver Nuggets. This one tips off on Thursday. Kenny Miller, who you got winning the series?
1: Um, Clippers in five. You know, I don't think... I don't think that... um, I don't think the Nuggets can really do anything. Now, I will say, both of these teams kind of have the same problem in that they have a lot of depth and also been dealing with some injuries to some guys, so they don't really... You know they've been kind of throwing out different rotations for most of the year and, and trying different things. Because the Nuggets have a, they have a lot of talent. I just don't know. I don't know how they're gonna stop. I don't know if they have the wings to try and stop Kawhi and The Mavericks didn't really either, but they had a you know a kid that's about to be a superstar. And Jokic is really good. Jamal Murray's been playing out of his mind. I don't know if those two will will put the same threat that the Mavericks were able to do. Like Jokic is a mismatch for him because I mean you are gonna have Zubac and, and Montrezl Harrell to guard him. He should be able to get what he wants, but I feel like they can neutralize Jokic. I feel like I feel like what you are gonna if Patrick Beverly plays, you can put Bev on him, and if he's still cooking, you can put Paul George on him. You can put Kawhi on him you can put, you know, like a Marcus Morris on, like you can throw so many bodies at Jamal Murray if you're the Clippers. And I think that's going to make it really tough for the Nuggets to really um, have an efficient offense. Now, I could be wrong. I, Nuggets could give them all they could get, and Michael Porter could turn into a star in front of all I would love that. But if I'm realistically speaking, I think the Clippers are in front of them.
0: I'm going to agree with you there, but I'm going to go Clippers in six. Okay. Okay. And the big reason, like, you laid out all of the -the on-the-court reasons why you think that the Denver Nuggets won't be able to beat the L.A. Clippers. My big Mm -hmm. reason why they won't be able to is more so along the lines of, like, emotionally. Like, it takes a lot out of you to come back from 3-1. It takes a lot out of you to do what they just got done doing. And then you have they have a day or so to try to regroup, right? And then go back out there and play against one of the three best players on the damn planet on four or five days rest and you have to do this every other day, right? Like emotionally, I think they are probably spent. Like cuz they pro- they gave every ounce of energy energy just to get to a game 7, let alone win it. And now you have to turn back around in two days and do it again, and like in re, you know, and keep yourself at that same level of energy and same level of intensity. It's very, very difficult. Like we've seen, the Clippers have lulls in intensity, right? And so in game, I want to say for the Clippers, they led by twenty at least twenty points in games three, four, five, and six, right? Yeah. Two of those four times, they blew that lead, right? And in game six, they had to put Kawhi back in there, and, you know, he had to finish it, right? In order for a Denver team to beat the L.A. Clippers four times, it's going to take that level of intensity they just had to come back down, come back from that being down 3-1. And I don't think they're going to have that, right? And then on top of that, Kawhi Leonard versus Nikola Jokic as who's – Play, who's the best player I'm going to do with the straight back cornrows man that dude's a killer Yeah, he's really good moving on the last series we don't even know who's going to fill this last slot yet that's to be determined we're going to go through it anyway the LA Lakers the one seed versus either the Oklahoma City Thunder or the Houston Rockets who you got?
1: Uh, if it's the Houston Rockets, I think the Lakers win in six. If it's the Oklahoma City Thunder, I think the Lakers win in five. I think the Lakers win in six against the Rockets. I don't think that small ball is going to work. I think we're going to kill them on the, the, the rebounding, which is a, a reason why we beat Portland, because we killed them on the offensive boards. And then what I will say with the Rockets, small ball lineup, they are really feisty. They're really, they're really feisty. They get their hands on the, on the lot, on the ball a lot, especially when the big man gets it. When you try and post them up, like Stephen, they're really feisty down there. They give, they give a lot of uh, multiple efforts on the floor because they have to. They have to make up for their lack of size. I just think when the size that you have is maybe the most talented big man in the NBA, then it's going to be really tough on a guy like PJ Tucker or a seven-game series to say, hey, you're going to have to go between Garden LeBron and Anthony Davis. You know what I mean? And, yeah, I think we won't be able to play our traditional lineup a lot with AD playing the four and either JaVale or Dwight playing the five. But I think this series is a big series where Marquis Morris comes in um, and plays a lot of minutes at the four to push AD to the five. Because AD is a seven-footer, but he's also... Mobile enough and quick enough to be able to get out to a shooter like PJ Tucker, at least in my in my opinion. Um, And so I think that's a lineup that you would see a lot now. Obviously, not having Aiden Bradley for this series would be as crucial, just like it was against Portland, to be able to put pressure on a guy like James Harden or Russell Westbrook. But I think the Lakers will still take him. If it's the Thunder, it's in five. You know, I feel like they don't have enough. Have a great leader in Chris Paul. Good young piece and Shea Gill just, but I don't think I don't think the Thunder would even stand a chance. I think they'd be more happy that they beat the Rockets than having to
0: try and beat the Lakers. I'm gonna go if it's the Rockets, I'll go Lakers and six. And I think for the record, I think the Rockets are going to win game seven tomorrow night. I think, you know, there's, there's just too much on the line for them to lose in the first round. Too. So I think they'll be ready to play and I think I think they'll get it done. But going into a series with a team like the Lakers, I think their biggest issue is going to be the lack of size, right? The lack of size and on top of that, this small ball shoot a bunch of threes, offense only works when you're making a bunch of shots. Because if you're not, and it's a whole lot of one and done possessions, and you're having issues on the boards with an Anthony Davis, with a JaVel McGee, with a Dwight Howard, with a LeBron James for that matter, the other team has a whole lot a whole, a whole lot of more extra possessions, right? Yeah. And right. I think given LeBron James' championship experience, given all those other different things, right? I'm gonna have to go with the Lakers. And given the fact that, damn it, I don't trust Mike D'Antoni.
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, if they had seen us in the first round, there would be real potential for an upset. But if you saw towards the end of that first round, you saw LeBron start to get into a, a, a rhythm shooting. Because, uh, I mean, for most of the bubble, even, you know, from the first game against the Clippers he was not shooting the ball, and you could tell he wasn't trying to shoot the ball much. And so you started to see, it was one of those games where he had like three or four threes, and you could tell he started to get his rhythm. And every set, and for the series, he shot 40% from three. He shot 58% from the field, he shot 40% from three, and he's the second it's the second time ever players out of the triple-double for a series. It was the first time you asked,
0: LeBron James. Winner. So <clears throat> was that our first unnecessary LeBron stat of the night?
1: That was an unnecessary LeBron stat. You also saw Anthony Davis get his mid-range down. And so I think, you know, the, the recipe would be good if we were reeling and if we weren't scoring the ball well. But we were a top-ten defense for a reason. You know, we played a really good defense. And then if we're scoring on the other end, we're practically unbeatable. And so with the Rockets, it sounds good in theory to be able to space the floor and have all these shooters and go small ball and do all this. But when you're playing a team with two top six players in the world, and those two players are over 6'9", and might end up being the two biggest guys on the court, that's going to be a problem. And then you factor in a guy like JaVale McGee, factor in a guy like Dwight Howard, you know. And they're going to kill the possession battle. And if the Rockets, like you said, if they're not getting shots, then some of those games are going to be small. I nice.
0: I couldn't agree more Kennedy Miller It appears that Me and you Brother we are Out of time here My man Yes sir It's been a good one. Hey man it, it, It's always good To hang out with you My man You know Even though We gotta record this Up in Damn ten eleven at night we, Me and you We still find a way To make this work My dog Uh, Let the folks know At home And they can find you On Twitter Instagram All that dog You can find me
1: on Twitter at underscore Kennedy Miller underscore and as underscore Kennedy as in the former president John F. and the former wrestler Mr. Kennedy Kennedy Miller underscore.
0: All right, all right. You can find me on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. Again, it's on Twitter at Alex Goodwin TSM. That's T as in Tom, S as in Sarah, M as in Margaret. For Kennedy Miller, my name is Alex Goodwin. This has been the Game Plan Podcast. We will see you next time.